You are able to read this page, for instance, because light is reflected from it and carries the information to your retina, where it can be converted to nerve signals. While you're doing this, you breathe oxygen, which was produced by green plants using the energy of sunlight. Your inner organs are breaking down food, the chemical energy of which can also be traced back to photosynthesis. You're sufficiently awake... Yep, we all look like we're sufficiently awake to understand these thoughts and unless you happen to be jet lag, who's just flown in from anywhere? You may not be understanding this. Because your inbuilt biological clock has set itself using the cues of light and dark and tells you that you're still within the active period of your day. Thus, at this very moment, you are making direct or indirect use of three fundamental important interfaces between light and life, vision, photosynthesis and the biological clock. This close relationship with light is something we share with most species alive. There may be other kinds of life in the universe, but the only kind we know about owes its existence to the energy of the sun. And its family tree was shaped by the invention of photosynthesis more than by any other event. As a result, today's inhabitants of our planet tend to rely on light for energy, information and guidance in space and time. No wonder ancient cultures acknowledged its importance by worshipping the sun as a life-giving, godlike being. Had this small yellow star acquired less fuel and failed to light up, all forms that we know of would be non-existent. This would probably also be the result if you took the planet a bit further away from the sun, planet Earth orbiting between Mars and Jupiter would be as lifeless as the moon. The second most important factor in shaping life on our planet involves the technological revolution which introduced a better way of making use of solar energy but incidentally changed everything else too. Uh, just keep in mind this is a scientific thing. If evolution hadn't come up with the photosynthesis, I think someone better came up with it than evolution, but that's some 3.5 billion years ago, there would be no oxygen in the atmosphere, no protective ozone layer above it, and probably no life on dry land. Planet Earth minus the invention of photosynthesis would be inhospitable for all higher organisms that are around today. People, people would only buy primitive bacteria in the oceans or under the surface of the Earth. In summary of the summary, life wouldn't be here without light. It wouldn't be as highly evolved as it is if it had not made the most possible, best possible use of light's energy and information content for using photosynthesis, biological clocks and vision. It has also developed ingenious ways of producing its own light for a variety of purposes. In a nutshell, I'm sounding all funny. Where's, where's Greg? Are you right with that? I'm <laughs> um, in a nutshell, if the sun was suddenly snuffed out, nobody on earth would notice until 8 minutes and 17 seconds later, or maybe 10, depending on the article you read, that it takes the time, sunlight, to reach us. And then you wouldn't notice it anyway because we'd all be dead. But don't panic, you will get to hear the rest of the sermon because scientists do tell me 
that the sun has at least five billion years of energy left. So I think we're all pretty safe. So I think you can agree with me that light is a very important factor in regard to life as we know it. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 6 says, Yet for us there is one God the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Colossians 1.16 For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things be created through him and for him. If we start at the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So evening and the morning was the first day. Let there be light. And light brought life. Everything that we have today came after light. The trees, the bushes, the birds, the animals, us, all came because light came first. Light is the essential ingredient for life. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. He's been blind since birth. And before he does it, he again says that he is the light of the world. And then he goes and heals this man. This man was once in darkness, both physically and spiritually. And now, thanks to the light of the world, not only has his natural eyes, but his spiritual eyes have been opened. I like his... Um, the discussion the man has with the leaders of the time. They get him in and they start asking me all about this guy who helped him, uh, or no one's ever been blind and can see again. That never happened ever. And he said, look guys, I don't know who he is, but all I know is that this morning I couldn't see and now I can. And that's good enough for me. Sent him out, then they drill his parents. Parents don't want to say anything, so they don't get kicked out. So they bring him back in again. And I said, I've already told you that this morning I was blind. I've been blind all my life. Now I see. You can have as much theological argument as you want. Oh, by the way, did you want to meet him? He must be pretty good. Well, they didn't like that. What a wonderful thing our testimony is. That no one can change it. No one can take our testimony away. So this man has not only had a, a, um, a physical revelation, I guess, on a physical healing, but he's also had a spiritual healing. In verses 35 
Verse 38, Jesus heard that they'd cast him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him because of the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world, brings life. In John 9, verse 5, Jesus said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But hang on. Jesus isn't here anymore, is he? Anyone bumped into Jesus in the flesh just before the spiritual ones get ahead of me? Anyone bumped into Jesus? He hasn't been on the news in Jerusalem lately, has he? He hasn't been around for some 2,000-something years. That could be a problem. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So how can he be the light of the world if he's not here? Jesus talks about leaving and returning to the Father. But I don't think he ever says there will no longer be any light in the world, does he? No. That light that sustains not only natural but spiritual light. So if Jesus, the light of the world, has gone, how does his light shine? Well, that's where we come in. Galatians 2.20. I'm sure many would know this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ... Some of you know it, mumbling it. You're not confident. What is it? Christ lives in me. Poke your chest. If you're a believer this morning, Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus has called us to be partakers in being the light of the world. Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16, he's talking to his disciples. And if you're a follower of Christ this morning, you are a disciple. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine, so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the whole idea of shining our light to glorify our Father in heaven. Jesus says, come on, join me. I want you to be the light of the world that my Father may be glorified. Let's do this together. That's a tall order, don't you think? Well, I think it is. What an honour though, what a privilege. For Jesus to give us his light that we may be the light in the world. But as we know, with honour and privilege also comes responsibility. Many in today's world want all the honour and the privilege, but they don't want the responsibility. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Paul says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 
Christ, the light of the world. So how do we do that? Do we put on a robe and wear leather thongs and grow our beards? That'll be difficult for the ladies. Difficult for some of the men, but I won't look at any. Where am I? Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. I know it's in here. I was looking at it this morning. Here it is. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Be imitators of God. Walk in the light, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. I might just drop down to verse 15. See then, what, see then that you walk, walk circumspectly, not as, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other parts of Scripture, it tells us that you were once like the world. You're no longer the same as the world. So don't be a part of what the world does. Does that mean we don't associate with the world, with people? No, of course not. That would be silly. How would your light shine if you're never in the darkness? It's those things we used to do, put them away, do them no more. When we see the world doing things that we know are against the word of God, not doing those things that our light might shine brightly. Two things, don't do as the world does as one and don't be judgmental of those in the world. When you've uh, mastered something, it's very easy to judge people who haven't, isn't it? John 3.17, I'm going to read from the Message Bible, says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was, he came to help, to put the world right again. That's what we do when we shine our light. We are called to shine the light of Christ. Being judgmental is a sure way of snuffing light out. Mother Teresa said, If you judge people, you have no time to love them. If you judge people, you have no time to love them. I'm starting to learn, I haven't mastered it yet, at looking at people through the lens of Mark 12, 28 and 31. Whenever there's a situation, I try and look through this scripture. That's where Jesus answered a man who said, what's the greatest commandment? 
And Jesus is the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, You shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other greater commandment greater than these. If we love the Lord our God with everything we have, how can then we not love those that don't know Jesus? This helps us to see people as souls who are becoming Paul's. God saw the potential of Saul when many others didn't. He sees the potential in every person that doesn't know him. Do we? Or are we thinking they should be a Paul when they're still a Saul? I watched a, um, what do you call it, a, a series when I was laid up for a month or so, and it was uh, AD Kingdom and Empire or something. Has anyone watched that? Very loosely, biblically, <laughs> a, good, a good show. Um, one of the disciples was a black African. I'm not sure how he got in there, but um, I thought they were all Jews myself. But anyway, maybe I did miss that bit. But um, I, I had a chuckle after Saul became Paul. And the guy that took him back to Jerusalem, Paul, uh, yeah, Paul's all excited. He's going to go and meet the, all the disciples that he's been trying to kill and uh, do away with. So he's all excited because he's been had this amazing encounter with, with uh, God and he's changed and he, he knows all this. And uh, his mate goes, Look, we've got to go upstairs. How about you stay here on the street and I'll just go in and sort of you know, let them know what's happening and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, I know. Old mate gets about halfway up the steps and Paul's, you know, right behind him. No, no, you go back down. I've got to go in and sort of break the ice because I'm not real sure how they're going to take this. I reckon I could understand how they would feel. <laughs> but he was full of excitement because of what God had done. God had shone a bright light before his eyes, hadn't he? But God could see his potential and look what came out of that. Some people, this is another Mother Teresa quote, some people come into your life as a blessing. We all like those, don't we? No? I do. I much prefer the blessing ones. Some come into your life as a blessing some come in your life as lessons. That's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? <laughs> so we can learn. Maybe it's to learn how to shine our light a bit better. Clean the glass or something. So to shine your light, you, know, you need to know what sort of a light bulb you are. Because I think when we redid our car park up the back here, if we had to put a 60-watt light in the middle of the car park, it probably wouldn't be very effective. But the big, bright street lights that we have are very effective. 
Does that mean if you've only got a little light that uh, you're not affected? No, no, but make sure your little light is in the right place and know what kind of a light you are. Many years ago when I was working up Normanton, up in the northwest of um, Queensland, I was uh, with a, a work colleague and we were doing some soil investigations out where they were going to build a new road and uh, we were having morning tea with the, the backhoe driver who was digging holes for us and he uh, said something along the lines, oh, you know, do, you, do, you, do you go and have a you know, drink after work, Mel? And I put on my righteous Christian coat and I said, since I've been saved, I don't have to have alcohol to have a good time because I've got Jesus in my life. Yeah, I showed him. My colleague, who had been in and out of churches and wasn't going in the church at the time, when we got back to our quarters, rebuked me. And he did it in a really nice way. And I realised how stupid what I just said to that guy. Wouldn't it have been a bit better to say, oh, mate, no, I don't drink alcohol, but, gee, I don't mind a lemon squash. So next time you're going down, give me a call and I'll go and have a drink with you. No, that's not my light bulb. I had a friend in Cloncurry. He had a light bulb like that. He was working in a butcher shop. And one day, the, you know, Monday morning, oh, what did you do on the weekend? And a couple of the guys had been to a, uh, what do you, a champagne breakfast. I never thought much having champagne on rice bubbles, but I guess that's what you want to do. So they've had a champagne breakfast. And apparently he looked at them and said, yeah, I've got a few mates who do that every day. You call them alcoholics. And I went, well, because that was his light bulb. He could talk to people like that and get them thinking. That's why, you know, that's why we have evangelist pastors and someone named the other three or four because I can't remember them. Because if we've got the right, wrong light in the, right, in the wrong place, it's not going to shine as well as the right light. American evangelist Dwight L. Moody said, We are told to let our light shine, and if it does... We won't need to tell anybody it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. So, in 2018, may we be lighthouses shining bright lights into the darkness of the world around us. Can I have the music team back, please? Would you like to stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you are the creator. You're the creator of our universe. You're a creator of all things we see, feel, touch, smell, hear. Father, we thank you for not only for your natural light, but more importantly for your spiritual light that...
privilege of calling us to be your light, to shine your light in this world. 